This is an ABC podcast. You're listening to The Country Hour on ABC Radio South Australia and Broken Hill. Good afternoon, I'm Cassie Huff. It's lovely to have your company this Thursday afternoon. My goodness, hasn't it cooled off quickly after such a hot day on Tuesday? And speaking of, uh, I guess, things cooling off after warm times or the opposite, coming up there could be uh, a bit of a thawing in the relationship with China when it comes to trade. We're proceeding with the cases. Uh, we've made that very clear to the, uh, uh, to the Chinese government. But we've also made it clear that at any stage uh, we're prepared to have discussions about how we best resolve those trade blockages. I'll have more on that and a number of other trade agreements as well that Australia is involved in at the moment. That's coming up in the next 10 minutes or so. But while many of us were lying low through the hot weather after Christmas, the state's farmers were hard at work reaping what is setting up to be the largest crop on record in this state. A dampener, though on what is looking like a bumper harvest has been the discovery of some fungal diseases that cause white grain disorder and some of these uh, disorders are more serious than others. So new segregations have been set up to allow growers to deliver grain while the market works out what will be done with this affected grain. Viterra's General Manager of Operations, Gavin Kavanagh, can talk us through how the harvest is going. Yeah, harvest is going pretty well for us now, Cassie. We've taken just over uh, 6.3 million tonnes of of grain this harvest. That puts us around three quarters of uh, the way through the harvest progress. I would, I'd say most of the state is reaping. We've got some areas where growers are starting to finish up, in particular sort of um, the upper and central parts of Air Peninsula growers are starting to uh, get towards completion of their harvest activities. How are you going managing the, the sites? I understand a few sites are starting to fill up. Uh, yeah, as we get towards the e- end of harvest, Cassie, um, we, with some of our smaller sites now, um, have started to close. Um, we've been able to move over a million tonne of um, new crop or, or harvest shipping through our system, which has enabled us, along with the plans we put in place at at the start of harvest to ensure we could um, manage um, what we're now thinking is most probably a, a record production from the South Australian growers. I understand that uh, malting barley is very much at a premium given the harvest across the, the eastern, sta- eastern states as well. How's South Australia going from a malting barley point of view? I'll be honest, Cassie, I'm quite surprised at the amount of uh, malting barley that we've taken given uh, the wet spring that uh, we had, which led to, to a late harvest. That, and whilst it is still, uh, it varies uh, region by region, um, we've been quite surprised at the amount of malt barley that's been delivered into the system to date. The presence of white grain disorder across a range of receival sites uh, certainly had growers concerned about whether they were going to even be able to sell their grain and and end users as well. As a result, the the grain handles like yourself have opened up segregations for that now. Viterra have two segregations. How is that working? That's correct, Cassie. We have two segregations uh, for white grain disorder. Um, We have segregations available 
at uh, Gladstone, uh, Port Pirie and, and Wallaroo to accommodate um, the white grain disorder that was, um, or the growers were seen in their grain. It's a little bit more complex, though, um, in establishing um, these segregations for the grower than, I guess, some of the other quality problems that traditionally aren't covered by a standard lower lower grade. Um, when we see a quality problem, what we need to do is ascertain or, or work with the growers to establish um, the specific quality issue, but then also work with the buyer and the end-use customers to to determine the acceptance of the product for the end-use customers. Now, white grain disorder was a little bit more complex than some of the other quality challenges we've had either this year or in the past, um, and that's predominantly because it's um, caused by a fungal disease, and, and there is the potential for uh, different types of fungal disease to cause a, the white grain disorder. As a result, all, all the wheat grades, in fact, have a, a low tolerance for a white grain disorder of 1%. Our initial feedback from our customers in looking at whether um, or the suitability of this grain for it for the market was actually to establish were there any microtoxins present. So to do that, we needed to um, gather quite a few different samples that we could test at at various different levels to ensure you know, whether it was a level of 2% or, or 10% or 20% that there were actually no microtoxins um, present before we could um, continue the discussions with um, our end-use customers about the suitability of um, this grain and also then um, and doing some other testing and working with those end-use customers to, to understand how the grain would perform in things like stock feed uh, rations. Once we're able to do that and have the samples tested and confirm that there was no presence of toxins, we then work with the buyers and then use customers to determine the markability of the product, which led us to introduce both um, two grades, one a, a 4% uh, or below 4% white grain disorder, um, which we've been offering at uh, Gladstone and Wallaroo, and then introduce a... Um, higher um, grade or up to 20% um, white grain disorder and that was initially offered at Gladstone and as recently as yesterday um, we've closed our Gladstone segregation and offering that now at Port Pirie. What will be the destinations for these two different segregations that involve the white grain disorder grain? Um, we've been able to establish in the first instance that uh, uh, the grain is, is suitable uh, without the presence or um, no presence of microtoxins. Um, we, we've got or um, established that there is demand with uh, local or domestic uh, stock feed users and we'll continue to work with the buyers in our system to see whether we can establish any any additional outlets for the gr uh, grain to, 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 to continue to create that demand uh, for the grower grain. So we'll continue to provide samples to uh, other end users in, in South Australia, but also samples through to of any of the buyers participating or wanting to potentially look at um, export avenues for the grain as well and um, hopefully create additional outlets for uh, this grain as well. Certainly caused some issues this year. Vitera's General Manager of Operations, Gavin Kavanagh, speaking there. Eliza Burlage is out and about in the Riverland at the moment. Yesterday she was checking out sandbagging. Today she's in the paddock. Hi, Eliza. 
Good, good afternoon, Cass. <laughs> and where are you today? Oh, I'm over in uh, beautiful sunny Swan Reach. As they say, you can't make uh, make the hay when the su- you make hay when the sun shines, but you can't harvest the grain when it's raining. Uh, and I'm here with Kane Schutz, who is uh, able to do some harvesting today since it stopped raining. Good afternoon, Kane. Good afternoon, Elijah. Uh, how has your season been this year? Uh, for us, at well around the Low Bank area, we've had yeah an unreal season. It's been well well above average. And here at Swan Reach, it's our first year cropping this farm, and we're at, oh, probably above or average average yields and a little bit above. So, yeah, the season's been really good for us. And you were telling me before you have, is it 20,000 hectares of grain here? Uh, 5,000, sorry. <laughs> I'm not good with maths here. Now, how are you going with it? You're still going. I've, I've been able to grab you on a break. But, uh, you know, when did you start compared to, compared to other years? I heard it's been a later start for people. Yeah, we started probably the last week in November and normally around the first week in November we like to kick it off and get into it so we're done before Christmas. So this year unfortunately we've yeah gone through Christmas and we're going to be into New Year but yeah hopefully a couple of days into next year we should be done. And how is the crop looking though? Have you had any disease pressures or anything? Has it all been looking pretty good? Uh, quality and that's been really good this year. No disease issues that way. We, yeah, chose to do a rust spray um, to cover some disease, which, yeah, some guys did, some guys didn't, and I reckon, yeah, it's definitely paid off this year for us. And how long have you been uh, farming grain around the area for? Like, you know, how does this compare to to other years? Uh, I suppose, yeah, been at it for probably 15 years, and I reckon this is probably the best harvest I've been involved with, so... There's been some other, yeah, good ones, but this is probably the best with the price and the yield. Yeah, I'm certainly hearing that. It's such a good news story amid a lot of difficult things. And Kane, you're also president of the Low Bank Ag Bureau. You know, I, I talked to someone else from the Bureau, said he just finished it off before that rain came through yesterday. But what have you heard from other people in the area? Yeah, most guys are trying to finish off this week um, before New Year's and... I think, yeah, some are still going to be going, but most of them are trying to wrap it up this week. And have you had any issues uh, getting it off to the silos? I heard it's been some uh, some queues. There's been, yeah, a few queues and whatever, but we've got, yeah, a fair bit of on-farm storage and grain bags as well to if we need to, but, yeah, we haven't had too many issues. And before I let you go, you're up here nice and high up above the cliffs, well above the Murray, so you're not too worried about what will happen with the flood. But have you been able to get down to Swan Reach Pub and, you know, have a look at, at the river and how high it's gotten? Oh, I haven't got there yet, but I definitely will be there for a beer when we've finished harvest. Well, I'll let you bet, better let you get back to it so you can get that beer in. Uh, thanks so much, Kane Schutz. Uh, Kane Schutz is a grain grower here in Swan Reach. Thanks so much for that. Eliza Burlage out and about, checking out what's happening around the Riverland. Certainly a busy time in that part of the world at the moment. Uh, it is 21 minutes past 12. We're going to stay with the, the theme of harvest because the south of the state has kicked into gear now, but this changing weather is making things difficult. Uh, despite the extreme heat earlier this week and some rain as well, farmers are making progress with yields looking promising. Grain Producers SA Director and Southeast Farmer Nick Hillier says his harvest is a little behind schedule, but he's hopeful for a run of good weather now. Look, harvesting's going reasonably well. Um, it's, it's progressing forward slowly, but it's just um, the weather's been frustrating between rain, cold days and some extreme hot days. We're slowly moving forward. Cold days, we can't get out and harvest, and uh, just a bit of rain a few weeks ago made things a bit tough. 
trouble with headers getting bogged in paddocks and uh, just making things a bit difficult. Yields are good, uh, pricing's coming back a little bit, but having a couple of really good years in a row, I think it'll be good for the areas and good for everyone involved in agriculture. Are you behind schedule or where you'd expect to be at this time of year? Oh, look, I think everyone's a little bit behind schedule, but if we can just get a good run of you know, a week or 10 days of hot weather, we'd really pull some grain off and uh, get it into the silos, which is uh, the rewarding part of the year. What's the yield like this year? Look, the yield around uh, border town down through Francis and is phenomenal. We're getting canola sort of anywhere from three and a half to five tonnes to the hectare. Some of the early beans are sort of three and a half to four tonnes to the hectare and cereals out north of Bordertown are doing their five, five and a half tonnes and uh, um, up in some of the lower Mallee around Coomandook and areas like that, Cook's Plains, they're getting yields they haven't seen for 40 or 50 years, so which is really good. And is that uh, what you're seeing on your farm as well? Yeah, it looks same here in our farms. Like We've got uh, farms north of Bordertown and one down at uh, Hynham and it's just been a phenomenal year. Look, it got a bit wet in some of the wet country in September, but, you know, the season went for a, a long season and we had plenty of rain for and a cool finish and the quality of the grain's really good at the moment. We're probably not getting hard wheat and stuff, but APW seems to be a pretty common sort of um, grade for the wheat. So there's plenty to get, you just need to be able to harvest it. Exactly. Look, it's just, just the weather play dictates everything we do in farming and harvesting's no different. And they just need a good run of probably 10, 14 hot days, it'd be really nice. I'm hoping we'll get that. Uh, Just haven't worked out how to control the weather yet. It was wet again. Is that making things difficult? Yeah, look, where we were harvesting north of Bordertown, it was 43 degrees. We had a um, farmer's code of practice we don't harvest. GFDI was 35 plus. Um, And then we've had two mills and it's, uh, what, about 14, 15 degrees. So um, we were going to start beans, but just a little bit of moisture makes it hard to um, start. Nick Hillier, farmer in the southeast, speaking with Elsie Adamo. It is 24 minutes past 12. This is ABC Radio Adelaide, South Australia and Broken Hill. Weather's up next, but in the meantime, Australia's Trade Minister says the country is already in talks to expand the India Free Trade Agreement. The Australia-India Economic Cooperation and Trade Agreement comes into play from today, eliminating tariffs on 85% of Aussie exports like wine, sheep meat and horticulture to that country. Minister Don Farrell tells Megan Hughes a second round trade deal could include additional agricultural products like beef, dairy and chickpeas, which have been left out of this deal. We're uh, having a second round of discussions with uh, the Indian in Indian government where we hope to extend the range of products uh, that will be included in our, uh, in our free trade agreement. The Prime Minister is visiting uh, uh, India later, uh, <coughs> sorry, early next, uh, early next year uh, and that will give us uh, an opportunity to further extend our, uh, our trading relationship with the, uh, with the Indian government. And also as part of this agreement was a thousand visas for, and I think some of them were working holiday visas, if I'm correct. Will those um, working holiday makers have to complete the 88 days of farm work in rural areas? Um, look, those uh, are issues that we've, we have to uh, finally uh, determine, but um, I, uh, I would be confident that the uh, Australian economy benefits very significantly from these additional Indian workers. As, as you know, right throughout the, uh, the country, there are labour shortages and we're looking to 
these uh, 1,000 new Indian uh, uh, visa recipients uh, to fill some of the gaps that uh, currently exist in our workforce, particularly in the country. Now, a 1,000 visas, when you compare that to the actual worker shortage in Australia, which is tens of thousands of people, is there going to be scope as well in your second round of agreements to expand the number of visas? Um, look, I believe that'll be one of the very significant issues that will be on the table in those uh, in those discussions. The the Indian government is uh, very keen to expand um, the uh, the opportunities for Indians to to come to Australia. Yeah, we'd we'd like to um, see them here. They've uh, been terrific terrific uh, students, uh, and we'd look forward to uh, expanding our relationship with India in the in the months ahead. Now, speaking of another free trade agreement, you have just been in talks, um, I think, over the last sort of 10 days or so with um, the European Union. How is that one progressing? I've seen quotes saying that you won't just sign it for the sake of it. it that doesn't sound that positive that the uh, discussions have been going well. Oh, look, I got a very good uh, reception in, uh, in uh, Europe, Megan, uh, and Australia is viewed very very positively there, but there are some tough negotiations uh, ahead. There are a number of crucial issues that are going to be very difficult on on both sides to uh, to deal with. Um, one of those issues is the issue of geographic uh, indicators, where uh, the Europeans are seeking to uh, prevent uh, Australian producers from uh, using a range of uh, names which uh, they feel uh, very uh, very strongly about. But having said all that, I, I do think that the opportunities um, are there to uh, have a, uh, a breakthrough uh, agreement uh, with the Europeans. One of the advantages that we have in those uh, negotiations is they want, uh, the Europeans want access to our critical minerals uh, and our, our rare earths. I think that's uh, going to be a very key part of the, uh, of the negotiations and I'm looking forward to trying to finalise that agreement by the middle of next year. Moving to another topic now, um, to China, that you're looking at brokering a, a deal that would see us drop our WTO cases against China for the trade bans? Oh, Megan, we're not proposing to uh, <coughs> drop our uh, cases in the, uh, in the World Trade Organisation. The World Trade Organisation is the only uh, venue that uh, we have available to us to prosecute the case for the removal of those trade blockages, particularly as they relate to uh, to wine, to barley, uh, to meat, uh, and even to uh, to crayfish. But we've said all along that our preferred course of action would be uh, uh, discussion, and uh, I've made made it very clear to my uh, Chinese uh, counterparts, uh, as has the foreign minister on her recent uh, visit to to China that we are prepared at any stage to have some discussions uh, with our Chinese counterparts to remove those uh, those trade blockages. We are trying to normalise and stabilise the relationship with, with China and uh, we see it uh, in the interest of both countries that those uh, blockages be removed. And if those blockages would be removed, would you be willing to then drop the WTO cases? We're proceeding with the cases... Uh, we've made that very clear to the uh, uh, to the Chinese government, but we've also made it clear that at any stage uh, we're prepared to have discussions about how we best resolve those trade blockages. 
Have you actually been able to have conversations with the Chinese government? I know that's been a, a huge issue, is that there's been no talks happening. No, the opportunities uh, unfortunately uh, haven't uh, arisen uh, yet. We were hoping to catch up uh, in Bali a couple of weeks ago, but a combination of factors meant that that, uh, that wasn't possible. But we've reiterated uh, our, uh, our offer to meet with them uh, at any place at any time to try and resolve these outstanding issues by um, discussion. Australia's Trade Minister Don Farrell speaking with Megan Hughes. Now to weather. Um, you might have noticed there's a flood emergency warning for properties adjacent to the Mary Ann Reserve at Manham. That's due to stormwater infrastructure failure. There's a possibility that the levee may fail. So uh, regardless of your property's ability to withstand flood impacts, you may be flooded. So you need to enact your emergency plan. Um, if you don't evacuate, you might be uh, isolated or flooded. So do keep an eye on that. Tom Bowick from the Bureau of Meteorology, though, has the latest on the weather. Good afternoon. G'day, Cassie. What's happening now that it's cooled off quite significantly? Uh, yes, certainly for most of the state. Uh, we have uh, still got a cloud band through the northern parts of the state. There uh, has been some shower and thunderstorm activity in that in the last uh, 24 hours or so. Highest rainfall, 18.2 millimetres at Motpena Station up in Lake Torrens area there and uh, at Wilpena, 9.4 millimetres and Morgathing Station also 7.2 millimetres. So that band of cloud is still through the north there so there's still a chance of some isolated shower and possible thunderstorm activity through the uh, sort of northern parts of the pastoral districts for today uh, and tomorrow but uh, um, yeah, those that activity will be sort of uh, relatively isolated. Uh, further to the south, weather's dominated by a high pressure ridge which is uh, pretty slow moving will keep conditions dry and uh, as you're saying sort of milder through the south there uh, into the weekend then um, a similar sort of day coming up on Saturday it'll be dry throughout though and uh, generally mild to warm in the south grading to uh, warm in the north there uh, Sunday temperature does increase uh, pretty generally to, to hot conditions for, for most parts uh, uh, there on Sunday and uh, what happens there is the high pressure ridge um, is weakening uh, as a uh, front uh, moves to the south of the bite there uh, and leaving us with some sort of pretty light um, uh, sort of winds off the land there, which will see the temperatures sort of rising up reasonably well on, on, on Sunday there, but uh, generally light winds. Uh, into Monday then, we... Um, uh, following that uh, front to the south there, there is a, a new high-pressure uh, ridge going to be developing to the south of the Bight, and that will see southerly winds increasing in the south, uh, which will bring some milder conditions to, to southern parts and western coasts. Still be hot further to the north there. Should be generally dry, although there may be some thunderstorm activity returning to the far north of the state again on Monday. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday uh, of next week, um, that high-pressure ridge is going to be the dominant feature. Um, some milder winds will be extending further inland as well, so sort of generally mild in the south, uh, grading to um, uh, sort of uh, warm to hot uh, for the sort of northern parts, perhaps still uh, uh, hot in the in the very far north of the state there, but uh, yes, fairly stable conditions coming up there. Now, the rainfall totals we're looking at... Uh, uh, period is from now until the end of Monday. It's mainly with that band in the north there. 
Uh, some isolated falls up to about five millimetres for the north of the pastoral districts. If you do happen to get a thunderstorm, it's not out of the question. There could be some, some very isolated totals of five to 20 millimetres in a thunderstorm, but they're going to be pretty few and far between. Uh, it should be dry over the remainder of the state. Uh, the only exception to that is in the lower southeast on, on Friday, there's, uh, in the southerly airstream there, there is a chance of uh, some very light rainfall up to about a millimetre there. And, and look, in general, most of the rainfall uh, is expected sort of from now until um, the end of Friday. Back to you, Cassie. Thanks for that. Tom Bowick there with the weather outlook. In the far west of New South Wales, the upper western will be mostly sunny. There's a slight chance of a shower in the southeast, most likely in the afternoon and evening. There could be a thunderstorm around as well. Overnight, getting down to 21 to 26 degrees, but during the day warming up to mid to high 30s. The lower western will be mostly sunny. There's a medium chance of showers in the far east, most likely again in the afternoon and evening, and could be a thunderstorm there too. Overnight falling to between 15 and 20 degrees, but the daytime temperatures will reach the low to mid 30s. Uh, I'm off for two weeks now, but the country hour will continue with Brook Nindorf. Uh, South Africa is 4 for 120 at lunch. It trails Australia by 266 runs. It's coming up to 1 o'clock. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.